Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, started in September 18, yes, kind of right. in that area. Uh, this is my first time to be in any of your locations. I know you've moved around over the years, but, uh, uh, but up until about a year and a half ago, uh, I was at the John Young campus because they paid me to be there. They didn't pay me to come out here. So, uh, and, and Chris disobeyed God and never invited me to come. But uh, other than that, I'm just delighted. I, I'm so excited uh, about next week for you. Uh, you, have, uh, uh, you have journeyed uh, for four years, and uh, many of you. Uh, it probably would have been easier if more of you, but many of you have, uh, have labored early in the mornings on Sunday, uh, getting things set up and then tearing them down Sunday afternoon and do it again next week. Uh, the thing about the Lord today, it just comes every week. You know what I mean? It just keeps coming. It keeps coming. And uh, so many of you over these years have uh, given your time and your energy and your resources. And Horizon West would not be where she is were it not for people like you. And may people like you, that tribe, increase in the days ahead. And Maybe today's teaching and message will move it in, in that direction. You're under great, uh, uh, great leadership. I have the highest regard uh, for Chris and Nikki and their journey and their marriage and their parenting and uh, in their leadership. Uh, God has uh, really given to you someone who is an effective leader who understands what servant leadership is and how it functions, and he does it well. And uh, I know you're grateful for Chris, and I think the best days are ahead, and you're going to get a little sense of what the vision of the future looks like uh, uh, next week. And it's been years coming, okay? Uh, but as great uh, as the days have been in the past and great as the present is today, greater yet is the future in front uh, for Horizons West. And I'm just so excited uh, for you. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful season for, uh, for all of you as you move into your home. Uh, today we're going to look at, uh, at spiritual uh, gifts. Give me a, uh, let me give you a little bit of my journey because I, I think it'll uh, give some credibility. Uh, in uh, the spring of 1974, I was an engineer for the DuPont Company. Uh, I was a, uh, I was a, a, a new believer, uh, and, uh, and I, I took a week off uh, from work and, uh, because our pastor was bringing in a guest speaker, and he was speaking uh, for a couple of hours every morning of the week uh, on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And I was new in my journey and, uh, and uh, understanding who the Holy Spirit uh, is and what he wanted to do in my life uh, was, was, was uh, just a new truth for me. But it was revolutionizing for me to understand who he was and what work he wanted to do in my life. And part of that great work was entrusting to me and to all of his children uh, spiritual resources, capacities, abilities uh, to do things for him, uh, grouped with our personality and our, our, our experience and our commitment 
where you, each one of us can uniquely make a contribution uh, to the body of Christ and to the kingdom of God, to growing the church and to reaching people uh, for Christ and for his church. So this subject really became critically important to me in my own personal journey very early. So I jumped into that subject, and I did. And for the next uh, 12 to uh, 15 years was an avid student of, of the subject of spiritual gifts and scripture, reading others that I trusted uh, as well. And uh, that kind of came to fruition. It's hard to believe, uh, low so many years ago, when I wrote a book uh, that's uh, titled Unwrapping God's Gifts to You. And when you leave today, uh, this is important enough for me uh, uh, I have enough, this is third or fourth printing, uh, but probably the last one at my age, but I, I would be honored if you would stop at the table and let me give you a book. It's that important for me to put this information in your hand. Part of the reason is a good bit of the front matter I'll cover in the teaching today, but what you're most interested in is what are my primary giftedness and how does it function? What does it look like when it's working and it's working in the energy of the Spirit? I don't have time to take a dozen or more gifts and to unpack each of those gifts uh, for all of us, but a little bit in the book, they are there. But I want to let you know of another resource, and Chris, I appreciate if you kind of let them know. If you will go to, uh, uh, to YouTube and just Google in my name, Jimmy Knott, uh, hundreds of videos will come up. But within that search engine, if you will Google, God gave gifts. God gave gifts gifts. Last fall, I spent seven weeks in a class that I teach on campus, on the main campus, and spent uh, uh, really over five hours, over seven weeks, unpacking the gifts. And the good bit of that are unpacking individually each gift and defining it and explaining what it looks like when it's operational in the life of a believer. I can't do that this morning, but I wanted to let you know of that resource uh, that's, uh, that's available to you, okay? Well, let me begin with a question. Let me begin with a question. What are you doing and who are you helping when you are at your best and enjoying it the most? What are you doing? Who are you helping? when you are at your best and enjoying it the most? Part of being able to answer that question requires your understanding, discovering, developing, and dispensing the spiritual giftedness that God has entrusted to you. That's part of the answer to that all-important question. In Scripture... If you, if you go to the, the New Testament and you look at the writings of all the New Testament writers, Paul addresses the subject of spiritual gifts in three passages. 1 Corinthians, he wrote about A.D. 55. Romans, he wrote about a year later in uh, A.D. 60. And then about 10 years later, uh, he, uh, uh, he wrote uh, to the church at Ephesus. And then later on, the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4. But if you take collectively uh, all of the teachings uh, from uh, those passages, Passages, uh, you have about 50 verses. But it's important because in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul said this. Now concerning spiritual gifts. By the way, he uses that phrase, now concerning, in six other subjects 
in this case now concerning spiritual gifts. But he uses it in six other subjects. And he goes on to say this, about this subject, spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed. Now, my experience in over 40 years of being a Bible student and a teacher and a discipler of believers is that the very seven areas where Paul explicitly says, be informed here, be knowledgeable here, understand here, is where most believers are most ignorant. Now, I know that's not intentional, but I do believe it's probably the working of the enemy to keep us ignorant in some of the most important areas of our spiritual journey. Because ignorance either creates fear or confusion, misunderstanding, or wrong doctrine. So it just keeps us ignorant in those areas. So today we're going to try to uh, become more informed, as it were, about this subject of spiritual gifts. A little bit of statistics from Barna, who does the best research. The latest research on understanding of spiritual gifts is this. 28% of evangelical Christians say, I do not have a gift. 28% when asked, what is your spiritual gift? Say, I don't have one. It's almost a third of believers, evangelical believers saying, I do not have a gift. And then there are 70% that say, yeah, I know the gifts exist, but I don't know my giftedness. And those are frightening statistics. And then if you add to that, and I didn't put it up here, almost one third of believers who say, yes, I know my spiritual giftedness. When asked, what is your spiritual giftedness? They name functions, tasks, and abilities that are not spiritual gifts. Some folks will say, my gift is love. Well, no, that's not a gift. That's a fruit. And they name things that are not gifts. So hopefully we're going to clarify a little bit of the confusion this morning. Let me begin with a quote uh, from uh, John MacArthur. No local congregation, and you are a local congregation. Listen to what he said. Will ever be what it could be, what Jesus prayed it should be, what the Holy Spirit gifted and empowered it to be until it understands, and I would add, functions in the area of spiritual gifts critically important. As I said a moment ago, there are four passages in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't have time to go read all of these. In fact, one of the best things that I did years ago is I took all four of those passages and put them on one page. So everything is right there uh, in in front of me and I don't have to kind of turn back and forth. Here's what I want to do in the minutes that I have. I want to ask and I want to answer what I think are the key and the basic questions about this subject of spiritual gifts. So let's begin with the one that's uh, most obvious questions. What are they? What are spiritual gifts? Well, it's easier to answer that first by telling you what they aren't. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not the same thing as the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. First of all, one is a person, the other is an ability. You and I, when we come into a relationship with Christ, the instant we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell our lives. And I believe at that moment that when He comes in to indwell us and to empower us, He also brings into our journey the giftedness, the special abilities that you and I need to carry out God's desired purpose and will for our lives. So they are there. They are latent. I believe they come in seed form that need to be discovered and developed and grown over our journey uh, with, uh, with Christ. But they are not the same as the person. One is a person, one is the ability. Secondly, they're not the same as the fruit of the Holy Spirit that Paul talked about in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Uh, fruit has to do with our Christian character. 
our godliness. It has to do with our maturity in Christ. And, and it's far more important than our spiritual giftedness. And our spiritual giftedness is not so much about our character and maturity, is it about our abilities to serve and to provide a function within the body of Christ. Uh, next, they're not the same thing as natural talents. Everybody has a natural talent. The most pagan person on the planet, the most godless person on the planet, the most evil person on the planet, they all have natural talents and abilities. In fact, I would say to you, those of you uh, that, uh, that are working in the marketplace, uh, you work with largely unbelievers, and my guess is if you begin to stop and think about the men and women that you work alongside every day, uh, most of whom are not Christian, but some of them are some of the most naturally talented and gifted, smartest people that you have ever known. Okay, and I happen to think that's part of God's creative work in the, creating them in the image of God, but those are not spiritual gifts. Natural talents, everyone has. Spiritual gifts, only, and I'll talk about that in a minute, only Christians have. And I believe that because God created us in His image, God created us with purpose in mind, that He takes the natural talents that come to us largely through birth and are engendered, as it were, by our heritage and our growing up experience. When we come into a relationship with Him, the spiritual, supernatural giftedness He gives to us augments, amplifies the natural talents that are already present in our journey. It's kind of like he blows those up, in, as it were, in a supernatural way. One more thing that spiritual gifts are not. Spiritual gifts are not a ministry. A ministry is where you use your gifts, whether it's uh, children or, or VBS uh, this week or, or, uh, or working with kids or working with students or teaching a class or being on a committee. Those kind of things are gifts of service that are used in a ministry, but a ministry is not a gift. So what are spiritual gifts? Let me give you my, uh, my working definition, as it were. And it's a little bit different now than uh, what I wrote in the book in 1989. I hope that is uh, uh, the uh, product of years of continuing to grow and to develop in my understanding. But here's my definition. Spiritual gifts are sovereignly given uh, uh, abilities. Sovereignly given, that God gives them, sovereignly uh, bestowed, uh, graciously bestowed. They're all the products of grace. We don't earn them or desert them. We don't earn them or desert them. They are a product of His grace. And they're bestowed upon every believer. No one is left out. That 28% is wrong. We all have giftedness. At salvation, when the Holy Spirit comes in, for a purpose, to enable you, to enable me to serve others with ease, kind of flows and comes natural to us as we serve. With effectiveness, it makes a difference in the lives of others that we're serving. And then last, with excitement, it brings a sense of fulfillment and joy into my own personal journey. That's my working definition, I guess you could say, of spiritual gifts. So, next question, where, where do they come from? It's, it's fascinating to me in looking at the, the, the different four passages on spiritual giftedness, how, how every person in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all are involved in the dispensing of the spiritual gifts. Every one passage in, in 1 Corinthians or Ephesians or Romans all indicate either the Father or the Son or the Spirit gives the gifts that you and I have. You say, well, why is that important? Well, let me ask you a question based on your understanding of Scripture. Where do you see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together active in Scripture? All at one time together active. Creation, baptism of Jesus, salvation, and the dispensing of gifts. That's it. 
So this has got to be critically important for the Trinity to get involved in this. All a product of God's grace. So the next question, who, who gets them? Who gets them? Well, if you look at all four passages, there's one truth that's mentioned seven times in all of these passages. In each of these passages, everyone is addressed to Christians. And only Christians have the person of the Holy Spirit indwelling them. So that tells me only believers have spiritual gifts. Next, they come at salvation because that's when we get the Spirit of God to come in to our lives. They come to every Christian. You didn't get left out. You may not know what yours is. You may not, you may know it, may not use it, but you have probably a triage of several gifts that are primary in your journey. And the good news is, whether you ever discover them or use them, God gives them to us and they're irrevocable. He never takes them back. But just kind of a warning, and that's this. One day, as followers of Christ, you and I will stand at what's called the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. We are in heaven. Heaven, eternity's address is not in question. We are in heaven. And we are getting prepared for our eternal rewards and assignments. You've got to ask yourself the question, on what basis am I given a reward and an assignment? One of the criteria is, what did you do with the gifts that I entrusted to you? And I just don't think it's going to stand. You say, ah, I didn't know I had any. Oh, I thought you left me out. I don't think any of that's going to wash. I don't, I don't think any of it is. All of us, every believer, irrevocably given. Critically important, critically important. Next, what are they for? What are the gifts for? They're not for me. They're not for me. They are given to me. Notice he's in 1 uh, uh, Corinthians 12. They are given for the common good. That's a very interesting phrase in 1 Corinthians 12. And it's the only time it's used and uh, translated into English, it means synergy. In other words, when I know, develop, and use my gifts, and you know and develop and use your gifts, there is a synergy that's created working together for the cause of Christ that does something that's unique and powerful because you and I are working together using that which he entrusted to us. There's a spiritual power and dynamic that comes with that. Next, there's a purpose, and this is really tied in to build up the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning about verse 12 and really uh, through much of the end of the chapter, uh, Paul uses the, uh, 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 uses the human body, the human anatomy, to explain how the church is supposed to function. You and I are a, are a whole unit as a human body. Now, we're made up of many connected pieces. Some are external, eyes, ears, hands, feet, uh, you, that you, people can see. But some are internal that are unseen but critically important. And every part, every member of our anatomy is given an assignment. And the health of our human body is determined by every part carrying out its function. And when that doesn't happen, that's what illness and disease creates. Something, some part of the body is not functioning as God has designed it to function. Well, that's how the body of Christ, the church, is supposed to function. Christ is the head, and you and I are members or parts of the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
In about 16 verses, almost 20 times, Paul talks about us being one body, but being made up of many parts. And I want to walk us through just three or four little principles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I really think are important. And I'll begin in verses 12 to 14. Just, just listen to what Paul says. For just as the body, the whole body is a unit, as a whole, and has many members, it, there's diversity, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ who's the head of his body, the church. How did that uniqueness, how did that oneness out of diversity happen? For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter your ethnicity. Slave or free, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status in society. We were all made the drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. You and I are part of God's great team, and everyone has an assignment on the team. You and I are part of God's great band or orchestra, and each one of us has been handed an instrument that we are to play. Can you imagine the chaos? Can you imagine how unworshipful it would have been this morning? It's just as we got big, ready to begin worship, uh, I would have walked up and said, I tell you what, uh, uh, you're on the piano, I want you to go play the drums, okay? You're on the guitar, I want you to come in and sing. I don't think that would have been near as worshipful for us to enjoy. No, everyone knew their assignment and carried it out, and they made beautiful music. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to function. Everyone has an assignment, and when everybody knows their assignment and carries it out, there's a beauty to the body of Christ. So every believer has a part. Every believer has a part. Next, in verses 15 to 17, it says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? What's he saying? We all have an apartment. If you're an eye, look. If you're an ear, listen. Whatever part you've been assigned, use it. Operate in that, in the energy of the Holy Spirit. But to do that, you have to identify it first and foremost. Everybody has an assignment. Look at the third truth in verses 18 to 20. But as it is, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You know what he's saying? In fact, earlier he said, as he determined in verse 11. We don't even have to ask for our gift. We have it. Our responsibility is to discover that which God has already assigned in our lives. It's there. It's latent, but it's there. Let me read on. God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. He decides and we discover. And then the last in verses 21 to 27 is that we need each other. Horizon West Church can never be all that God desires and designed it to be until every member of this local body of Christ is functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit, their spiritual giftedness. When you stop and think about that, it's pretty amazing that probably in the four years of her existence, it's been a relatively small remnant of the Horizon West Church family that has engaged themselves in service and in ministry. 
But could you imagine if the existing family, everyone bought in, discovered, and dispensed their giftedness, what God would do if you were positioned for him to do that? Frightening what could happen. We are dependent. We need each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I think he's referring to the internal uh, necessary organs. They're indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we give greater honor. It's probably a reference to how much time we take care of looking good on the outside. And then our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Not in this world anymore, but that's a whole different sermon which are more presentable parts do not require. But God, God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. But which part lacked it? Oh, it's the part on the inside that nobody sees. What is the message? The message is, as important as it is, the speaker stands here and speaks, the people play on the platform, we engage in corporate worship. As important, as important as that is, and it is important in God's, in God's economy, somehow, some way, though every ministry is important, some are more important, and it seems to be it's the ones that we're not seeing. Like the people in the nursery, the people making phone calls, the people on their knees praying. We don't see that, but he does. And he honors that. He says he may honor that more. And then the last, what are they for? As I said, they're for the common good. They're for the building of the body of Christ. But they're, they're for serving others. I mean, this is this, other than every Christian gets a gift, the second most common principle in the spiritual gift uh, information in Scripture is this. They are not for me, they are for you. They are to serve others. And not, listen, not to know and therefore dispense your giftedness is to be self-serving because you're not giving any of you and your giftedness away. And you're cheating the rest of the body of Christ when you're not functioning and operating, as it were, in your giftedness. Next question. How can the gifts be divided? Paul said there are different kinds of gifts, and those gifts operate in different ministries, and those gifts operate in different ministries have different effects. I put together uh, these uh, divisions, and I do it based on 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Let me read this. Ephesians, uh, excuse me, 1 Peter 4. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace, their product of grace, in its various forms. I think our gifts are mixed. I don't think they come in silos. They're mixed, uh, and uh, they're, they're, there's primary and secondary gifts. But notice how he breaks them into two large divisions. If anyone speaks, he should do as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. So I see, I think there are speaking gifts and there are uh, serving gifts. And usually we have one or two or three in the speaking side. And usually uh, somebody else may have one, two or three in the, serving, uh, uh, in the serving side of things. And knowing the characteristics of those gifts is so important. That's why I wanted you to get the book and why I want to encourage you to go get the teaching that's on YouTube as well. So I, where I can break down each of the individual gifts for you and as it were for your under, uh, understanding. Okay. Now, the last thing that I want to deal with is how do I discover mine? How do I discover mine? Well, there, there are a few steps here that I think are important. My primary gifts are teaching, leading, and exhortation. 
not necessarily in that order, but those mixed together, as it were, on a gift's palette are my giftedness. And which one uh, speaks the loudest depends on the circumstance or the situation that I'm in. But those are the things that God has gifted me to do best. And that's why I've spent, uh, you know, so many years trying to develop uh, the dispensing of those gifts, to grow and to develop those gifts so I could be at my best for Him. So how can I understand my gifts? First, if you haven't, and many of you have, there's been a steady stream of, uh, of emails coming to my uh, inbox uh, when folks take a spiritual gifts assessment. So it's been a steady stream. Many of you, like most people, you waited till last night and even early this morning uh, to, 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 to fill it in. And many of you had done that before. That's a very objective way to determine your giftedness on a scale of strongest to weakest in your giftedness. A way to confirm that is to ask three, four, five people who know, who are Christian and who know you well, who know you well. Ask them this question, what do you think I'm really good at? Shut up and listen. Don't agree, don't disagree, don't nod, just listen. Listen. And if you ask three to five people, you will hear some, uh, some common ground. And then if you take the common ground from that very subjective feedback of others and you set that alongside the very objective assessment, you're going to see a pattern of two or three gifts that emerge. In all likelihood, those are your primary gifts. It's not that hard. Discovering is relatively easy. Developing and dispensing it is a whole other matter. Next, here are some questions that, that, uh, that I think help us to discover our giftedness. I kind of call them self-reflection questions. And uh, let me read through them so at least we'll have them on the video and the tape. Number one, what do you do? What do you do that comes easy and natural and almost effortless to you, but seems maybe difficult and complex to others? Sometimes, listen... It is so natural and supernatural, we don't even realize it. That's why we need the input of others. Second question, what tasks, functions, abilities do you do that you look forward to doing them? You anticipate. There's an expectation. There's an excitement when you get to use them. Third, what task, when you're doing them, energizes you in the moment? Like, you know, I'm getting, there's a, there, today there's a, uh, there's a lot of the teaching and the exhortation going in. And I am, I am energized in doing that, okay? It's kind of like a spiritual high. Now, when I go home in an hour or so at my age, I'll collapse, okay? Uh, all the adrenaline in there will suck out on the floor. But, but for two 40-minute sessions, I will be in my zone. Which leads to that last question, and that is, what are you doing and enjoying when you lose track of time? You're operating in your giftedness. So there's the, there's the examination through the assessments and the feedback. There's these self-reflection questions. Two more things, and I'll be done. Supplication and prayer. Ask God. No, not ask God to give you a gift. He already has. He already has. More than one. Ask Him to help you to identify them and use them. Ask Him. I don't think anybody wants you to know more than He does because He gave them to you. And then last, once you kind of think you got it figured out, okay, 
find a place. Get with the spiritual leadership in the church and say, listen, here's what I think my giftedness is. Where might Horizon West Church use my giftedness? I expect they'll find a place. Don't you, Pastor? I expect they'll find a spot. And everybody else will be better. Every year, all of us, uh, either Christmas Eve or Christmas morning or both, depends on your uh, uh, traditions, okay? Uh, you gather together with family and friends. And underneath probably all of our, uh, all of our, uh, our trees are just loads and loads of gifts that people who love us purchased for us. Can you imagine purchasing gifts for a family or a friend, giving it time and thought and expense, and getting it wrapped and putting it underneath the tree? And when you begin to dispense the gift, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your friend saying to you, never mind, I don't want it. I don't know about you, but within about 30 minutes, there is nothing under our tree that's not opened. And that's true in yours as well. The giver would be so offended if we chose to unopen their gift. Have you ever stopped to think how our Heavenly Father might feel when He's entrusted to every one of us a gift to use to the benefit of others and you and I will get a blessing from it as well. And simply say to him, I'm not interested. I don't want to know. I don't believe that's the heart of the men and women in this room. Go to discover it, develop it, and use it. You'll be better. Horizon West will be better. And God will be honored. So let me go back to where I began. And let me ask you this question. What are you doing? Who are you helping when you are at your best and enjoying it the most? Father, we thank you for our time of worship and study. This is much, much, much more. This is so much more important than we ever dreamed. And I pray today in these minutes, your spirit has struck a chord in the hearts and minds of those who profess to know you and love you and want to follow you. So I pray that we will be eager through the assessments and through the feedback and through experimentation to get busy about discovering and growing and using our gifts. If for no other reason, to express our thanks to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.